His cathedral was sufficient for him. It was peopled with marble figures, kings, saints, bishops, who at least did not burst out laughing in his face, and who gazed upon him only with tranquility and kindliness. The other statues, those of the monsters and demons, cherished no hatred for him, Quasimodo. He resembled them too much for that. They seemed rather to be scoffing at other men. The saints were his friends and blessed him. The monsters were his friends and guarded him. Victor Hugo, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hey guys, welcome to tonight's episode. What's up? What's going on? You got Milliliter here. Um, I don't know why I'm so sing-songy today, but anyways, um, before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping, um, just to kind of like follow up on a couple things, my boy Lil Nas X, you guys know I love Lil Nas X, I love Old Town Road, um, and every subsequent remix, I saw a really funny meme where it was like the Old Town Road like remix alignment chart and it's hilarious. Um, yeah. So yeah, he keeps breaking records, which is super cool. Um, so right now he's at 143 million streams in a week, which, fun fact, broke Drake's streaming record, which was 116 million for guess what song? In my feelings. So that's cool. Big up to Lil Nas X. Proud of you. Keep doing your thing, brother. Um, in other news, Nipsey Hussle. So, um, so I think last week's episode was actually before the memorial. And so I watched the memorial last week and it was super emotional. It was long, but it was like well worth it. Um, thankfully I got to watch it like while I was at work and it was like really emotional and it was really beautiful to see, um, you know, everyone come together in LA and like really um show out for you know show out for nip and so um it was like it was really beautiful to see his family his friends people you know like artists um people in the industry um you know pay respect and pay homage to him so that was like you know that was really cool I loved you know, that everyone was just like, the marathon continues, like, I, I love it, I love it, um, so, it, like, you know, so, shout out, you know, to, to his family and to his friends for, for doing such a beautiful memorial service, and then, of course, they did, um, the, the planned procession throughout the city, um, and you know, when he, when they pass his body by, um, the marathon store and they release the doves, like super emotional, um, found out today actually, um, right before I started recording that his family is planning, um, to continue with some stuff that he had started on. So basically what I was reading was that he was in the process of starting a foundation, and so according to the article I was reading, um, quote, the plan was to assist area schools in renovating playgrounds and furthering STEM programs for students 
as well as to help with the updating of public parks in and around the Crenshaw district, end quote. So, um, like, I think that's super cool, you know, that his family is, like, gonna definitely continue his legacy and finish the work that he started. So I'm really excited to see, um, you know, where that goes. And it brings me, like, a lot of joy um, to know that his family is going to work to bring this plan to fruition. You guys know I'm, like, you know, big on community, big on, like, loving your city. So um, when I see things like this, it's, like, always super cool and inspiring. Um, Like I told you guys last week, I'm on a mission to find more black-owned businesses and definitely, like, show my support more. Um, Definitely, I, I like, want to... And I think I mentioned this last week too. I definitely want to find some some Miami, some local places because like for instance, right? I can support black owned businesses like Shea Moisture for instance, Ancient Cosmetics, you know what I mean, Black Radiance, Fashion Fair, cool. But it would be really cool to find local businesses. Um for now. <laughs> The two that I can think of off the top of my head, I think they're called Sweet Guru. It's a black-owned ice cream shop in Miami Gardens. It's like right off the A twenty six Palmetto. Um, I would have to like look for the link and then post it because I don't remember the like exact um like intersection. I want to say it's the Palmetto and like twenty seventh or thirty seventh, whatever. I'll post it later. Um, one, they're amazing. The ice cream is super good. Okay. Two, they have really cool flavors. Like they have a Hennessy ice cream. They have a Moscato ice cream. They have like all these like really cool like alcohol infused ice creams and stuff. So I'm like, what? Like, um, so that's pretty cool. Like, why not? Um, so definitely they're on Instagram. I know that. So I'll put like their info They're on Instagram. Give them a follow. Um, if you're ever in the area, go visit them. Have some ice cream. It's pretty cool. It's like a cool like little ice cream shop. It's super cute. Another person that I can think of is okay for my Miami people, and it will be like the Miami black girls who know what I'm talking about. All right, <laughs> my Miami people know about that one African dude. The one African dude who works the Shea Butter Circuit. So this guy, I don't know, I've been seeing him around for like 10 plus years. Because as long as I was ever, you know, like on the metro, which was like when I was in high school, I would see this guy like pop up every once in a while. And what does he do? He's this African guy that sells natural Shea Butter. And that's where uh, me and a lot of people I know buy our shea butter from. We don't buy it from the store. We buy it from my dude, the African dude. I don't know his name. I never know where he's going to be. <laughs> like, you know, he goes to, like, farmer's markets. So he'll show up at one of your local farmer's markets around the city. Um, sometimes he does, like, like... Yeah, like, farmer's markets or, like, little festivals. Or, you know, like, in Winwood they'll do, like, like, Winwood Yard. Like, they'll do, like, that little marketplace thing. 
he shows up there um sometimes he sets up like around like the material station in downtown that government center so like i don't know that guy support him i support him with all my shea butter needs um and all my moisture needs so yeah like definitely if you guys know more places um whether it's in miami or not drop me a line let me know and i'll post it like i'm always happy to support all right let's get started um today as you guys saw in the like the name of the episode i kind of wanted to talk about like notre dame and the city of paris like wow what a week we started the week off like the notre dame caught on fire on monday i was at work and um basically what had happened was i saw like a notification on my phone like cathedral on fire but i didn't open it because i was at work and i was like oh man that really sucks a cathedral on fire and so someone like someone else was like like an hour later was like oh like oh dang the notre dame in paris caught on fire and i'm like what and I'm like, that was the cathedral? Like, oh my god, what a misleading headline. And so I, like, you know, I turned on the video, and it was, like, just, like, so heartbreaking, like, watching this fire, like, ravage through the Notre Dame. Um, so all kinds of feels, like, it, like, it's it's crazy i think they said that the fire lasted for a total of like nine hours or something crazy like that and and like you know it's hard for them to get it under control for several different reasons um so and then you know seeing like the pictures of the destruction is so un freaking believable because it's like what do you mean this is the notre dame you know um yeah like it's crazy so basically um you know from what i was reading about two-thirds of the roof was destroyed which is a lot a big part of the roof um the steeple like the spire the famous spire that the that the church has was also destroyed it actually it burned and it fell through the roof as well and then um a lot of artwork of course has have sustained you know fire and smoke damage and things like that um besides the fact that a lot of this stuff burned now you know the big concern is that you know because of the so much of the roof being damaged and it's literally big holes in the roof if you look at the pictures now you know that makes a lot of that makes the whole inside of the church susceptible to water damage so it's like they have to like work fast and smart to try to like preserve um you know the 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 rest of the building and the remaining works um of art that are in in you know in the building so it's really like weird and sad because this is the Notre Dame like people the Notre Dame 
de Paris, you know, Our Lady of Paris, like literally. And so for, you know, our hearts go out to the French people because that's, that's rough, bruh. That's rough seeing like such a, a you know, a, a, like such a landmark be, you know, damaged in such a... Um, in such a big way, you know. Thankfully, you know, silver lining, it's not completely destroyed. Thank God. You know, but, like, definitely it's going to take, you know, millions, if not a billion or more dollars to fix, you know, and restore and preserve everything. Um, You know, the building and the artwork that was um being held inside. Um... One thing that, like, really, um, you know, like, one thing that was kind of, like, encouraging, it's, like, one, there was hundreds, literally hundreds of firefighters that were deployed to go deal with this situation, you know, and so one thing that I read was that there were firefighters, you know, of course, like, battling the fire, but there were also firefighters that were going inside and saving, like, you know, works of art, and I'm like, oh my god, (laughs) like, there's, like, I don't know, it makes me think of a firefighter going inside of a building and saving a puppy, so I'm just like, oh my god, they thought about the art, you know, me being like a total art and history and art history nerd, you know, this to me was like so freaking crazy, like unbelievable. You know, we haven't seen something like this happen in our time um, to such, to, you know, to a landmark of such important cultural and historical um significance in, in you know in a global context like this is not just like our history it's not western history it's like you know like global hi- like world history stuff here my people so you know th- this is like a big deal um so you know like i said the firefighters i'm like thank you for trying to do what you were trying to do um something else i read in an article, quote, Jean-Marc Fournier, the chaplain of the Paris Fire Brigade, brigade, bleh, brigade, insisted on being allowed to enter the edifice with firefighters in order, like, end quote, in order to also assist with removing works of art. Once again, I'm just like, oh my God, you know, he made a sacrifice. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, ah, oh, tear, tear. Like, this, like, chaplain, I just, and I saw the picture, the guy, he's like an older guy, and like, with like, glasses, like, exactly what you think a chaplain looks like. And I'm like, oh my God, this old guy wanted to the building because he wanted to help. And, you know, he made it out, he was fine. Um... <laughs> But, like, he didn't die or anything. So, or he wasn't hurt. So, like, I'm, you know, I'm very glad that, you know, he wasn't hurt. And thankfully, there were not, like, you know, life-ending life injuries or any fatalities or anything like that um, involved in this fire. As far as I know, so far. So, you know, that just kind of, like, warmed my heart a little bit. Like, thank you for trying to, like, save, like, pieces of world history for us. Um, 
Yeah, like, this fire is super crazy. Like, I just can't wrap my head around it. Like, I look at the pictures, and it doesn't even seem, you know, real. Like, by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, the Notre Dame, in addition to being, you know, a cathedral and being a work of art itself, like I um, mentioned before... There were several works of art and um, religious relics that were stored inside of the Notre Dame. Um, some of which include, most notably, right, the the Holy Crown of Thorns and the Tunic of Saint Louis. So, Holy Crown of Thorns. It is so basically they have a crown of horn, of thorns which they believe were the thorns that were on Jesus's head when he was crucified, which I'm just like wait, they have that? <laughs> so, okay, so turns out what they did with the crown of like what they think is the crown of thorns, right? They broke off certain pieces and they sent it like around the world to different um reliquaries for preservation. And so different different churches have like pieces of the crown of thorns and then so but the Notre Dame had like the main crown, right? And the tunic of Saint Louis, which was actually, you know, King Louis. Um I mean, the most, one of the most important, like, kings of France, um, they had, they had his tunic being stored in the Notre Dame as well. One thing I learned today is that, uh, he was the only king to be canonized and to be declared a saint. So, the only king of France. So, I'm like, okay, cool, important. So, you know, like, and, and that garment, you know, was really old. I mean, I don't know. It's from the 13th century. So you tell me. Um, so, you know, like I said, they were able to save a lot of things, of course. Um, you know, there's still some, a lot of damage. Thankfully, because they had already been undergoing renovations, there was some artwork that had already been removed. And then they were able to um, remove, you know, get a lot out um, while the fire was happening. So they saved a lot of artwork. Um, Now, you know, they have to go into like their little assessment and just really assess um, the damage thoroughly to see, you know, like I said earlier, um, some things could have been um, damaged by the actual fire, by the smoke. So, they definitely have a lot of, a lot of work on their hands. Um, unfortunately, like I said, the spire, which was like on the steeple, right? Um, you know, like, one, let me tell you, that video of the spire, like, falling in the flames, I almost cried, because I was like, oh my god, this is too much for me, um, but, yeah, like, I learned that in that spire, they actually had relics of the patron saints of, like, of France, (laughs) 
And I'm like, wow, that really sucks. Like, who, like, oh my God, that was destroyed. Um, let me back up. Relics are important objects, right, of religious value. So, like I mentioned before, the crown of thorns, that's considered a relic. Sometimes people have bones that are relics or pieces of people, you know, like, for instance, um, the Vatican, you know, they say that, like, it's built on, like, St. Peter's bones, so that, that's a relic. So, you know, these are important items, you know, um, to world history. So, unfortunately, um, you know, that, like, really sucks that, um, those relics were pretty much, I mean, we can pretty much say they're lost. Maybe they find some pieces in the wreckage, but who knows? Um, like, I'm not Catholic, right? But I don't have to be Catholic to understand the importance of, like, these types of things. Like, I don't have to be Catholic to understand that if you are Catholic and your country is a Catholic, a predominantly Catholic country, and there were these, like, super important relics of, like, your patron saint in like probably one of the most important cathedrals in your country and it was burned i don't have to be catholic to understand how that could hurt like you know what i mean um i'll come back to that point in a little bit um but yeah you know like it's just like it's like there's definitely going to have to be like a lot of like conservation preservation um, and rebuilding efforts going on, um, you know, for, like, for France. Um, let's go back and, you know, go over, like, a little bit of, like, the Notre Dame history. So, for those of you who have not watched (laughs) The Hunchback of Notre Dame, so Notre Dame is essentially on a little eye, on a little island, they call it um the Ile de la Cité. So what does that mean? It's like literally the island of the city because it's literally a little island. It sits in the middle of like the River Seine and it's super cute, right? Like this like little island. And so basically um, this island was actually something like a piece of land that they um, set apart for... Um, religious purposes like it, like not sacred ground but it's like their ground where they would go to do their religious things right so um actually Notre Dame was originally built on top of two other cathedrals because it was two other smaller cathedrals that like had been continually destroyed 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 and so basically um you know, one of the kings, he was pretty much, I think it might have been King Louis, he was pretty much like, hey, let's just build a really big one out of these two smaller ones, right? So, when you go to France, like, like I said, sitting on an island, so you cross, like, a little bridge, and, you know, if you take, like, a little, like, river boat down the Seine, like, a little river cruise, like, it's really cute, because you pass by, um, the Notre Dame, at least the one that I took, like, you pass by the Notre Dame, like, on the riverside, and then it, like, turns around, so you come back, and you see Notre Dame from the back, 
we typically see Notre Dame from the front. So seeing it from the back is like really cool and you kind of get closer than you would be able to um, on land. At least closer to the back part because of course the back part is like the rest of the island. So if you ever go to France, that's my suggestion of things to do. Um, and you, like I said, you get like a really cool, unique perspective of, of the Notre Dame. Um, they started construction on the Notre Dame in 1163. Like when you look at it, the Notre Dame is almost a thousand years old. I mean like 856 years old to be exact, but who's counting? Like that's crazy guys. 1163. I'm going to repeat that. It started construction in 1163. They finished most of it, like the main part of the cathedral, right? In 1250. So it took them almost 100 years to finish it. Like, which if you really look at the size of it and like the amount of detail, that's kind of impressive. Of course, there were, like, a lot of other embellishments, like, um, that they replaced and they added over time. But for the most part, like, the main part, the main towers, the base vault, all of that, it was completed in 1250, which blows my mind, right? Let me put some things into perspective. So, one thing, the steeple was probably one of the newest parts of the whole thing, which was the, the spire that I was talking about that burned down. And it's kind of like one of the most notable things, like, um, you know, besides like the two towers um, on the building. It, that part was added in the 19th century. That's the newest part. <laughs> That's crazy. Let me... It was So basically in like the 1800s, right? So let me, let me put it into perspective for you guys. The Eiffel Tower, right? The Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower. Now, the Eiffel Tower is probably like the symbol of like Paris, of France, right? But the Eiffel Tower wasn't built until 1889. 1889, guys. Which was the same year, ironically, that the Moulin Rouge was built. Um, other notable Parisian landmarks. The Arc de Triomphe wasn't built until 1806. The Louvre wasn't built until 1793. That's crazy. For those of you who don't know what the Arc de Triomphe is, one, go on Google. I'm not even trying to be mean or be sarcastic. Like, literally go Google it. The Arc, the Arch of Triumph in France. So, basically... If you ever look at pictures of Paris and you see the Champ de Lycée, which is basically, um, the it's the famous avenue where all the like important Parisian super luxurious shopping is, right? So that if you see that, right, the Champs de Lycée, that's the avenue that goes down. The Arc de Triomphe is that big arch thing. That sits in the middle. That was built in 1806. Okay? The Louvre 
which is like the most important, you know, one of the most important, if not the most important museum in a lot of the world. <laughs> I don't know. The whole world? I don't know. Um, was built in 1793. Just to give you a little info about how important the Louvre is, that is where the Mona Lisa is. Okay? That's where the Mona Lisa is. Um, that is where a lot of, like, several, like, Da Vinci works are, okay? Several pieces of Greek art, Greek and Roman, um, not architecture, Greek and Roman, um, statues and sculptures. Um, what else is there? Oh my gosh, my favorite sculpture, um, the Winged Victory, Nike of Samothrace. So, it's an important museum. And that was built in 1793. Those are the giant triangles you see when you look at pictures of France. So, yeah, the Notre Dame is, is, is significant. You know what I mean? Um, and so, why do I say all of these things, right? <laughs> I say it because... I've seen a lot of people, like, <laughs> I know we're not supposed to read comments, but my gosh, I read the comments on stuff, and I see a lot of people just kind of being like, oh, why are people so sad? And I'm like, look, I'm not going to cry over it, but maybe, <laughs> like, the the Notre Dame is, it, like, important. Like, the people of France are so freaking devastated, the art world is devastated, the history world is devastated because this was the symbol of France before the Eiffel Tower, if that makes any sense. This was the symbol of Paris before the Eiffel Tower. Imagine that. When you go and you fly over France, if you look like an overhead thing, like you can see the Notre Dame there. And if you try to imagine the Parisian landscape, the Parisian, um, you know, city side without like the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, the Notre Dame stands out even more. And if like, okay, <laughs> if you need like some visual, go watch the Hunchback of Notre Dame and like you'll understand like the importance of any cathedral and like the cathedral of the world. Okay. Also, <laughs> so, okay. Side note, I saw someone being like, oh yeah, like Frollo is trying to burn down Notre Dame. I'm like, oh my god, I hate everyone, but that, like I hate all these like terrible memes, but oh my gosh, that's hilarious to think about. Um, Man, that Hellfire song in the Notre Dame though, in the Hunchback of Notre Dame is like terrifying. Um... Just like another little nugget. And I think also like I don't want to generalize, right? But I think for a lot of people, you know, it's like, especially here in the United States, it's like we don't have anything remotely that old as far as buildings or like built like like man-made landmarks go. So it's like maybe some people don't feel like the importance or like that connection. But just to put it to your perspective, the Notre Dame is, like, way older than anything we have. Like, like the Statue of Liberty 
<laughs> was built here in 1886. Like, that's crazy. Which is a little bit before the Eiffel Tower was built. So just, you know, put that in your head. Also, did you guys know that um, the Statue of Liberty, like the like metal framework, was built by Gustav Eiffel, who, as you might know, was the person who built the Eiffel Tower. So, cool. Also, did you know that when the Eiffel Tower was built, like going back to the point that like the Notre Dame, I guess for Parisians might be more of like the like the national symbol or like the Parisian symbol, right? Um, when the Eiffel Tower was built, there was a lot that was very controversial. Like the fact that they left it, that they built it and they left it up after the World Fair that year was super controversial because Parisians felt like it was an eyesore. Like a lot of Parisians felt like it was an eyesore, right? It was kind of like, um, like the, I guess like the more like contemporary people were the ones who were like for it but like of course more like traditional like artistic people were like super against it because they were like this totally breaks up our like our our whole like aesthetic is pretty much what they were saying which like I pointed out earlier if you look at the like Parisian skyline it it does you know what I mean but now we like see it as so natural like that's like that's what it is but back then it was a huge deal so yeah, for for the French, that's why this is like even like more hurtful because traditionally Notre Dame was like the symbol of the city. Um, some other fun facts. So when Victor Hugo, who was the person who wrote the book The Hunchback of Notre Dame, so when he released the book. That actually helped launch a renovation and beautification campaign, which I thought that was, like, really cool um, to find out because it's, like, that, you know, like, you know, that renewed an interest in, like, saving and, like, preserving, like, the Notre Dame. And it's, like, you see, like, community, like, artists help sometimes, like, yes, I know, like, a lot of people get, like, annoyed, but it's, like, yeah, like, we need to bring attention to things sometimes to save them, so, cool. Um, another thing I learned is that a lot of the dimensions and the measurements of, like, the building itself and of, like, the different, like, statues and the things that are in the building follow the golden ratio, which I believe is, like, 1 to 1 16th or something like that, or, I don't know. I don't know math, so look it up because I'm not even going to know exactly how to explain it to you. Like, I get it, I understand it, but I'm not, I don't know if I can explain it. But it follows the golden ratio, which connects it to the Fibonacci sequence. Okay, I don't know math, right? But I I know enough, a little bit about, not enough about art. I know a little bit about art to sort of explain it. So the golden ratio is like the the ratio that they say is like the measurement of like not perfection but like perfect beauty, right? So the golden ratio applies to a lot of different things. So you can apply the golden ratio to a face. You can apply the golden ratio to shapes, you can apply it to buildings, you can apply it to um a lot of different things. 
the golden ratio and the Fibonacci sequence are also found in like different like um in like points in nature, which you know a lot of people use that to indicate like that nature is like perfect and beautiful and nature was designed um you know like by a higher being or by God if you believe in that. Cool. Um, for those of you who still don't know what I'm talking about, if you remember, like, on your math books, like, the Nautilus, right, like, the seashell with, like, the circle and, like, the measurements, that's what they're referring to. Um, like I said, the golden, the golden ratio, you could apply it to a face, because, like, the whole theory is that the gold, like, with the golden ratio, with those dimensions, that's how you achieve an aesthetically pleasing value and so these are things that naturally the eye just is more drawn to and is more aesthetically pleasing so the like the building follows that which i think is really cool um so a lot of people who you know are like interested in like paris and art and all of that and history um and like cathedrals and stuff know that in addition to like like another major cathedral in the um Paris area is the Saint Chapelle um cathedral, which is actually I think it's like a cro- it's not across the street, but it's like across the bridge. It's like a block away from the Notre Dame. And it's a smaller chapel, but it's just as beautiful, like on a smaller scale. I learned today, today I learned T I L that the Saint Chapelle was actually especially built to house the Holy Crown of Thorns. So that's where it was originally kept, and then they eventually moved it over to the Notre Dame. So I was like, what? That's real effing cool. Um, and, you know, all in all, as we know, a lot of us know, like, the Notre Dame was an icon of, like, gothic architecture. The big towers. You know, the, like, ridiculous embellishments. Like, I mean, gothic architecture is freaking beautiful, dog. Like, oh my gosh. And so, you know, like, for a lot of people in the art history world, like, um, the Notre Dame was, you know, like a prized example of Gothic architecture. Um, as we all know, a lot of us know at least, the flipping flying buttresses, bruh. The flying buttresses are an important part of Gothic architecture. Like, to me, you know, I think a lot of us know it because it's like a funny name that like they used to talk about in high school. It's like legit the flying buttresses are like a super unique part of Gothic architecture. When you sing around the back of the of the um Notre Dame, you see like how they all like come together to like support like that like little back part and it looks really cool and it's super functional. You know what I mean? Because they were really put there to support the walls. And then, actually, you know, like, we found out, too, that the flying buttresses helped save the building. So, I'm like, that's really effing cool. Thank you, flying buttresses. The reason that they were able to, um, that it actually, like, helped contribute to saving the building is because... 
so basically the article that I was reading um the way that it explained it and you know what I'll post it too was that because back then they had to do so much to help support these stone walls like they had to add so much extra support around the building it's more support than and you know because you know as you see these buildings like they're bigger they're chunkier like buildings than what we would build today right so it's like all these like extra supports right like i said they make for a bigger clunkier more space taking building but all of that extra support helped save the notre dame in this fire because you know so what i was reading was that like with fires since it'll it'll start eating away it'll start burning different parts of a structure it'll change the weight and the ability for certain parts to hold up other parts right so it's like if you have like a hole over here burning over here suddenly you don't have like that extra support from that part of the building so it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna um it's gonna take away the support from another part of the building and then that's how things collapse when they get on fire i learned a lot today by the way (laughs) so but the flying buttresses helped because that was an extra support so i'm really excited about that i'm just like oh thank you flying buttresses like i love it um (laughs) you know like i'm very excited to like hear that i'm like oh thank you like thank you flying buttresses like we 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 appreciate you for like you know like holding it down for the notre dame you know what i mean like you know um like i said there's a silver lining for sure look the the notre dame has gone through several wars has gone through the plague has gone through so many like has gone through revolutions literally like it'll be okay like it'll rebuild they'll rebuild but um you know we definitely have to recognize the importance um and we have to learn history bro world history local history the history of our people we have to learn history in order to be able to appreciate some of these things and um you know like we we just gotta keep doing it um like i said you know france will rebuild another thing i kind of wanted to talk about as well i have seen a lot of people post about the three churches in Louisiana that caught on fire. The historically, the three historically black churches that caught on fire in a week and a half, within a week and a half of each other. And I've seen a lot of posts on a lot of different, uh, across the social medias (laughs) where they're like, how come the three black churches are not getting enough media attention and I'm just like look I look I'm not hating on like I and then I don't know like I'm not hating and I'm not saying that they don't need attention as well like of course I definitely support because like this crazy dude who I'm not even gonna say his name right this crazy white dude um, you know, like, 
wanted to feel himself and feel important feel like he was doing whatever you know what I mean so he went and he burned these like three churches and then like read like was reading up on himself or reading up on these like reports like so he can gas himself up whatever right like which I'm glad he was caught charged with hate crimes cool I'm not saying that that's not important I like I okay this is what I have to say to that I guess is that this is important to us here in our nation but what happened to the Notre Dame is important on a global scale because like I said earlier it's world history so like it's not gonna be covered as much unfortunately like with this kind of and then people are like real mad right because like the Notre Dame like people have donated like you know in excess of like a hundred like like millions millions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars towards like the Notre Dame people are like why are they donating so much money and not to the three black churches and I'm just like oh my god like it's stressful because it's like I don't know our current the current like social political climate kind of it's like super polarizing because they're trying to force you to choose one or the other and it doesn't have to be like that i can literally both support the Notre Dame renovation efforts and the black church's renovation and reconstruction efforts as well like i could do that if i feel like it and of course the black churches are not going to get as much money and it's not because people are racist like it doesn't have to be because people are racist okay my people like honestly people do what they want with their money they donate to what they want whether and then people are like oh there are people dying in africa i'm like oh my god what is wrong with people like look unfortunately this is more of like a local national thing so yeah us as a nation we should be worried about that but like we can't expect like the whole world to worry about it i don't know people get really weird and really weirdly angry about weird things not everyone has to support everything ever (laughs) and to not like we can support multiple causes at the same time like you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, it's like we need to break this cycle of like cynicism, my people. Like, th- like I, it, there's a lot of cynicism in the world who don't just like. It's like a lot of cynical people who don't just let who just like cannot let people do their thing who are not happy with anything. And it's like, don't worry about it. If you are so worried about the three black churches, have you donated? Like, have you donated yourself? Like, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Anyways. <laughs> um, Like I said, we are able to support for both. Okay? So guess what I'm going to do? I am going to post both links. I will post a link for the three black churches, I will post a link for Notre Dame. Donate to whoever you want to. Don't donate to anybody. Donate to one or the other. 
that's up to you. That's your conviction. Not everyone has the same convictions. Not everyone has the same interests. So, you know, people, like, need to, like, chill with that, okay? Um, But there is a silver lining to all of that, com- not complaining, but, yeah, to all that complaining, the, um, the number of, because, like, they had been crowdfunding for these three black churches for, like, a minute now, like, ever since, like, the, like, the fires started, um, which was actually back in, like, the, like, at the end of March, so this helped spike the number of donations, so as of today, which today is April 17th, as of today, they had already received $1.6 million worth of donations, and they're just like $200,000 short of their $1.8 million goal. So that's cool. Congrats. Like, I think that's really cool because um, it gives us like, it reminds us that we need to come together as a community to support our local things as well as like national things as well as like global things. Like, yeah, we need to care about everybody, but not really. We, we cannot overextend ourselves. That's like the first thing in, in caring, right? Do not overextend yourself. And and I tell you, as, like, someone who is in a helping profession, right, that is, like, one of the first things they tell you, like, in social work school. They're like, look, you are not a superhero. You cannot save everyone. So don't try. And it's like, all right. And then after you, you know, cripple under the weight of your own existence and, like, you get out of your existential life crisis, you're like, okay, I cannot save everybody. But if I can save at least one person, a family member, a friend, a coworker, you know, a school, like a schoolmate, a classmate, I'm like schoolmate, like I'm freaking British, <laughs> a classmate, you know, it's like we have done plenty. And so, you know, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave you guys, you know, with that one. Um, and then, you know, people are like, why are people crying? And it's about, it's because of everything that I've kind of set up to this point. Like, this is like such a like global, like worldwide, like a world history, like important thing. So yeah, it's like really hurtful. And it's like, you don't, then I, I know I saw, once again, about comments, I saw someone be like, I've never been there. So I don't know. And it's like, you don't have to go there to appreciate it. Like. You can watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame. That will make you appreciate it 10 times more. I promise. Um, Read a book about it. I don't know. Watch a video. Like, like you don't, like, empathy, my people. Empathy. I don't know. And, you know, um, just to kind of, like, bring this whole, my, my own discussion with myself to a close. This is the importance of studying, of reading, of learning history, because then we understand the importance of global events, of local events, of national events. Like, we can put two and two together and be like, wow, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's, oh, this is why this is important. Yeah. So that's why it's important to, like, to, to, to recognize our own ignorance and do something about it. Because we're all ignorant to something. I don't know everything. I get up here and I just talk. 
and I try to do research and I try to learn. You know, I try, but I don't know everything. Like, there's definitely a lot of things I don't know. And I'm sure those of you who listen probably will be like, hmm, she's wrong about a lot of things. And I am, but I'm also open to, like, conversation and to learning. And so that's the important thing, you know, keeping an open mind and, you know, travel, my people. Travel. You don't have to go to Europe. I can make a whole episode about how easy it is to get to Europe. But actually, you know what? I'll do that in the second part of this podcast. Um, But travel, you know, whether it's to like, you know, the next county, the next city, the next state, like travel a little bit. It's important to get out there and do something different and meet people who are different from you and to like visit important sites whether it's in your city or your country or your state or your continent it's important to like you know get those get to those pieces of history and to learn about it it changes your life and it changes you and hopefully for the better you know it you know and sometimes we can't travel read watch a documentary watch a movie it doesn't even have to be a documentary watch a movie this is really <laughs> this is secretly a plug for the hunchback of Notre Dame <laughs> um but you know what I mean like this these things help us see the importance of what's going on in the world around us and so it's like I understand you know like traveling can get expensive so I'm not sitting here and being like, oh, break bank to go travel. Uh, because guess what? If you read and you got an imagination, you're traveling already. So, but, you know, um, seeking out counsel, seeking out information is important. And being open to learning is important. Because definitely the world is much bigger than our house. The world is much bigger than our neighborhood. The world is much bigger than our city. And I think people sometimes forget that. Anyways, that was super long-winded. And just to throw in another thought I just had. (laughs) I think um, that's also kind of like the interesting part about globalization and social media it's like yeah we see how big the world is but I don't think we understand how big the world is it's like we know the world is bigger but like for some people the world has gotten smaller and into their screen all right I'm done okay I'm gonna post another interesting um interview that I listened to this week also from it was Charlemagne and some other guy I forgot his name I'll post the interview though in the in the description guess what time it is it's story time you guys <laughs> here's the story of my trip to a party forever together in party oh my god yeah like Anastasia dog oh I love that movie that part where Anastasia meets up with her grandma in Paris. Beautiful. Even though uh, we know that, like, the story didn't happen that beautifully or romantically. Not the point. But, yeah. So, a few years ago, we took a a trip to Paris. A a nice little family trip. It was actually to Germany, but, you know, via Paris. So, um, I told you guys earlier, I would tell you guys a, a little secret about traveling to Europe 
I don't make money. I travel a lot, though. And um, a lot of people ask me, they're like, how do you travel so much? Well, one, I travel for work sometimes. Two, I save my money and I plan, plan, plan. The key is planning. I'm going to give you guys a couple of tips for traveling to Paris. So, one, if you live here in Florida, in in Miami, Broward area specifically, we're very fortunate to have access to some good airports. When I say good, I mean airports where, like significant airports where we can go a lot of different places. We have not one, we have two significant airports for domestic and international travel. We have Miami International and we have Fort Lauderdale International Airport. So, yeah, this gives us an advantage because we have access to a lot of different, a variety of airlines and um, so a variety of schedules, a variety of prices. A lot of us out here in Miami know the more expensive flights tend to fly from Miami and the cheaper flights tend to fly from Fort Lauderdale. Why do you say that? Well, example... Fort Lauderdale is where Spirit, JetBlue, Southwest, Frontier, um, I'm trying to think of what other airlines fly from there, like, uh, like Economy Airlines, Norwegian, like the, the cheaper airlines, which is cool. Hey, a lot of us do our, our, our traveling from Fort Lauderdale, okay? Um, so we do have that advantage, but um, I definitely encourage you guys to find out about like your local airports or your closest airports and like what airlines service them and if you have airports close to you that um service like these economy airlines, right? Um, the trusted ones, of course. <laughs> so fun fact: Norwegian Airlines flies from Fort Lauderdale. I suggest to you guys, you look where Norwegian flies from in your local areas. Why? A flight from Norwegian to Paris, depending on the time of year, can cost you around $500 or so. And that might be including luggage. So, and that's one thing that like, like some people are like $500 and it's like, that's expensive. It's like not for Europe, it isn't. Because guess what? Flights to anywhere in Europe, generally, it doesn't matter if you're flying from New York or if you're flying from Miami, wherever, a thousand dollars. Easy. Easy thousand bucks and you have layovers. But I'm talking about a direct flight. Like, I mean, Fort Lauderdale to Paris. Unheard of. So, yeah, so we got our flight. You know, I think it was like a total of five hundred dollars. We had, we all had luggage. We like it was me, my sister, and my mom. We flew together. We had um two two luggages each with a carry on. Like we have a lot of clothes with us because we went in January. Oh yeah, you heard me right. We went in January, my people, in the dead of winter. So we had to pack um a lot of winter stuff. It was frigid to say the least so yeah guys so we went in the dead of winter um 
mistake we made was that me, my mom, and my sister, like, all sat together. And we're all three, like, heavier set women. <laughs> so we were scrunched together for, like, a 10-hour flight straight. So <laughs> on the way back, we were like, not again. We sat, like, we all separated. But um, let me tell you, my first time going, like, so I had never been on a flight so long. Mind you, background. I'm super scared of flying. I fly all the time. But I'm terrified of flying. Like, it freaks me out every single time. So, um, so I was, like, super anxious. Oh, my God. When I tell you I was super anxious about this flight, I was super anxious. Because I was like, I've never been on a flight for so long. I took sleeping pills. Okay, cool. I slept for, like, eight hours. And then I woke up. <laughs> at what was like 6 a.m. just about like Parisian time and our flight landed like at 9 30 like we got there in the morning or like at 9 so I was awake for a while by myself like it's just me the whole plane's knocked out and I'm just like man I'm super awake for three more hours on this plane but, um, when they saw on, like, the map, because, okay, you know, side note, we were going to Europe to go visit, um, my sister-in-law and my nephews who live in Germany. Um, so when I saw that we were getting go to, closer to, like, actual Europe, it's, like, my first time going to Europe, you know, I'm gonna go, like, meet my nephews for the first time, and, and so I was, like, super emotional, and I cry for everything anyways, so I started crying out of, like, joy, I'm like, (laughs) I'm so excited, and then it was really cool, like, flying over Paris, and, like, seeing, like, the Eiffel Tower, and, like, I, like, never forget that, so that was super cool, um, And, like, I remember just, like, landing, and I was, like, super, like, you know, like, like, just, everything felt super surreal. Getting my passport stamped with, like, Paris, I was just, like, oh, like, Charles de Gaulle Airport. I'm, like, oh, my God, yes. Like, I'm living the dream, oh, my God. So, you know, like, it, it, the whole thing was super cool. Um... So, you know, we get a taxi, we head over to this hotel. My mom was like, okay, guys, like, before we came over here, she was just like, hey, guys, don't worry, I am going to book the hotel for Paris, because I went to Paris, because my mom had already been to Paris. She was like, yeah, and you know... Like, I kind of know where we should stay, like, the areas. So, I'll book the hotel, whatever. I was like, like, we didn't even think anything of it. We're like, okay, cool. My mom's like, yeah, it's a cute little hotel that's by, um, the Louvre. Okay, great. Y'all, we get to this hotel. First of all, it's a walk-up. And then I think I remember I told my mom the only thing I asked is that you get a hotel where we don't have to share the bathroom. Because especially like in France, the hotel, the old, especially the older hotels, you, 
you tend to have communal bathrooms and I'm like not down with that like that's probably like the most American thing of of mine I was like no we need a private bathroom it's a walk up to me and then I was like okay okay so we had to go up four flights of stairs I kid you not with the big ass pieces of luggage and I'm like yo what is my life right now and then there was like an innkeeper if that's what you want to call him for lack of a better word an innkeeper there who was super creepy looking and super not helpful because he was just like okay go up to your room now and (laughs) so we took our luggages four flights up the stairs or whatever and um we were like wiped out by the time we got upstairs and we're just like why is this happening remember i told you guys we all had like we each had two pieces of like big luggage like big suitcases and then a carry-on and and a backpack right all of us so we had to do like definitely multiple trips and, you know, because, like, we weren't going to expect my mom to, like, my 50, at that time would have been 55-year-old mother, 54-year-old mother, to go up and down four flights of stairs with her luggage. So, me and my sister did it. And I think towards the end was when the guy, like, helped out. Because I remember him taking something upstairs. But, like, that was, like, all, after we had already done, like, the heavy lifting, right? <laughs> We go into this room. I'm going to try to find pictures of this room. Oh my god, you guys. First of all, they were super tiny rooms. And they were like, ugly. They were just ugly. I remember like, like me and my, so my mom got two rooms. Because my aunt from Colombia was flying to, to Paris to meet us in Paris. So my mom got two rooms right next to each other. One was me and my sister. The other one was for her and my aunt. One, these walls were paper thin. Two, they were tiny. Three, at, like, so our ho- like our room had, like, a little window. And there was, like, a little table with, like, a little chair. But it was, like, lawn furniture. <laughs> and my sister looks at me. And I look at my sister. Like, I don't know. And I asked my mom. I was like, what is this? She was just like, oh, it looks good in the pictures. I'm like, no. There is no way. Like, there is no way this could have looked okay in pictures. So, you know, we're just like, we're just looking around and we're like, okay. And it's like this tiny bed. And me and my sister share the bed. And, like, it was super cold, and, like, we're just like, oh, my God, this is so miserable. <laughs> but after we got settled, um, like, like, I, like, we got there, and I think, like, at some point, like, we probably, because we were, okay, to my mom's credit, the hotel was really cool, only because we were literally, like, two or three blocks away from the Louvre museum so which is like you know like that area is like super popular anyways and has a lot to do so that was cool 
And Paris is super walkable anyways. And we were like a block down from like a, a metro station. So it it was convenient. That was the only strong point. So, you know, like we kind of like freshened up. And, and I remember we went downstairs and there was like a little cafe on the corner. Like fresh Parisian cafe, like in the movie. And then we just, like, hung out in this cafe, and we had, like, you know, our first French, like, dinner together. Because I think, like, we had eaten something, like, we had gotten something where we were leaving the airport or something like that. But for dinner, we went to the French cafe. And it was just, like, really, like, when we went to the French cafe was when we really saw, like, the, the, like, the Parisian lifestyle, like, of everybody's just, like, taking their time, like work to like go and like meet up with friends and like smoke and drink and eat like an awesome dinner and just talk so you know we really enjoyed Paris um we went out after that we went out you know to go to the Louvre at night because you know that's quite a sight and you know we started taking pictures and stuff at night and it was like just really 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 pretty okay and you know of course like seeing like seeing like the Louvre and then from the Louvre you could see the Eiffel Tower from far away and so like it, like just seeing everything at night it was just like super beautiful um and it was just you know an amazing experience we get back and then we had to like kind of go to sleep like at a reasonable time because my aunt was arriving the next day from Colombia so at some point the next day like we were gonna have to um pick her up from the airport okay we go back blah blah remember I told you walls are paper said the next morning at like 6 a.m mind you there's jet lag so who knows what's going on I just hear my mom like yelling in the next room. I go your mass and I'm like, what's going on? My mom is fighting with some travel agent lady because my oh, because my aunt had started already traveling from Colombia to Paris. My aunt, this was like the first time she was leaving Colombia. She had gotten on planes before, but it was the first time she was leaving Colombia. Check out this itinerary, my friends. Cartagena, Colombia, to Caracas, Venezuela, okay, from Caracas, I think she had to go, I think it was like from Caracas, no, I'm sorry, Cartagena, Colombia, to Bogota, Colombia, to Caracas, Venezuela, to Paris, okay, my aunt, on the first leg of the trip, like her flight was delayed so automatically it like destroyed the rest of the the, the the itinerary of her trip okay and then of course the bogotanos in the Bogot- the bogotan airport were super unhelpful because i'm gonna say it here you guys know i'm half colombian right let me tell you colombians are the worst like because like and people know, people, Colombians know it. Colombians who are not from the coast are, like, just stuck up and rude. And so they were, like, not helpful to my aunt at all. My aunt was, like, crying because she had missed her flight. And it was, like, and my aunt's, like, super emotional. Anyways, 
So my aunt was, so my mom was fighting with some travel agent because they were like basically trying to charge my mom more, like more money, um, to to get my aunt another flight, and it, so it was like this whole thing. So I get on the phone, right? You know, like you know, social worker, you know, social worker Mill has to get on the phone, and I'm just like, well, you need to provide me with a solution at six o'clock in the morning, okay? <laughs> I was so annoyed. And I yelled at these people. And whatever, we found my aunt a flight. She started making her way, you know. Because at that point, when I had spoken to my aunt, or not to my aunt, when I, at that point, when I had spoken to the travel agent, I think the travel agent, I think my aunt was already in, in, in Caracas at that point. Like, I think the whole issue was, like, getting a flight to Paris. So then at the same time, you know, we're, like, trying to communicate with my family in Colombia because they were super worried. And so, you know, it was, like, crazy telephone trees everywhere. Whatever. We go to get ready to take on the day. Right? Actually, no. Wait, hold on. Sorry, back up. We weren't picking up my aunt that day. Uh, no, no, no. The intention was to pick up my aunt that day but but because of all, like, the delays and everything, we ended up picking up my aunt the next day, right? But, you know, after we deal the whole, with the whole thing with my aunt and we get my aunt situated in her flight situation, we were like, alright, let's go explore Paris now. Like, we wanted to do stuff, but we didn't want to do too much without my aunt. So, we go to get ready. And this path is the tiniest bathroom I had ever seen. Oh my god. Like that bathroom, like mind you, my bathroom in my house isn't huge, but it's the correct proportions. This bathroom, and I'm not even talking about like the toilet or anything, right? I'm talking about the shower. Let me tell you, the shower in this hotel it might have been, at most, maybe like 18 inches by 18 inches. And I'm not even exaggerating. Like, it was a tiny block. Like, I did not fit in the shower. Like, my whole... I was showering, and I had to turn around to get the other side under the shower. Like, my whole shoulder was outside of... Like, my whole shoulder and one of my legs was outside, like, the shower. Like, sticking out the shower. Because that's how small the shower is. And, you know, these showers weren't, these small Parisian showers weren't built for big American people. <laughs> like, oh my god. Horrible. And so I'm like, oh my god, what is happening here? And on top of that, it was super cold. Like, the coldest weather I've ever been in in my life, okay? But, um, another fun fact, another, like, little tip if you're traveling to Paris and you want to do, like, a lot of museums and stuff and, like, landmarks, um, look into the Paris Pass. Like, I'll put a link up for that, too. But look into the Paris Pass, because it makes it cheaper and easier to go to, like, a lot of different sites that you want to do. And, um, I don't remember the prices. They, like, they might have changed. That was, like, three years ago. But it's, like, you pay a set price, and you get the entrance to a lot of different things. And then you also get, like, um, tickets for a hop-on, hop-off bus, like, the little double-decker bus, and which is cool, because, like, you can, like, ride around, 
you you know you got the and I, I know we got the entrance to like a lot of different museums most notably the Louvre um you get like a like a river cruise entrance in there too I think you get the entrance for the Eiffel Tower like you get the entrance for like a lot of different landmarks and it makes it so much easier than buying individual easier and faster than buying individual tickets so um we did that and like that was really cool um that makes it cheaper so i'm gonna put that i'm gonna put that link up so we did like the double decker bus and and you know we rode around and we ate and we went to the eiffel tower and it was just like it was amazing you know like for me um going down like champs Elysees, like and it, it was just beautiful man like I don't know like it was it was a dream for sure and and I remember at one point like the sky being super clear and super blue like oh beautiful to say the least um then finally my aunt is to have arrived <laughs> in Paris the next day and um and so we go and pick her up from the airport, and you know, Charles de Gaulle Airport is infamous for being a super complicated and super big airport. Um, you know, comparable to like Atlanta as far as like how complicated it is. And so it's complicated to get to. Um, and so we had like the hardest time finding my aunt, and then like my aunt's phone had died or something, and like some weird story like that. But thankfully, eventually, we found my aunt, and my aunt starts crying, and then she's, like, all emotional, and we're like, all right, Tia, we need to get you to the hotel, you need to take a shower, because you haven't showered in, like, two days since you've been traveling, and we're gonna get you some food, and we're gonna hit the town. And so my aunt was just, like, taking pictures everywhere, and, like, my aunt was, like, crying, and, like, I was crying, because I was like, oh my god, my mom was crying, my sister's like, oh my god, you guys are so weird, um, <laughs> and it was just, like, it was, like, it was a dream come true, um, that night, like, I think, like, my aunt, like, took a nap or something, and then that night, we dressed up, we went, we had dinner, and then, like, we, we headed, o we had dinner, and then we headed over to the Eiffel Tower, so we, we got to, like, or, or not the Eiffel Tower, but the part that's part, that, that's next to that one museum, I don't know what they call that area, but it's where you go to take pictures in front of the Eiffel Tower, like, with the Eiffel Tower in the back, I don't know. But we went at night, and there were, like, a lot of people there, and everybody was, like, just chilling and hanging out. Um, we got some hot chocolate. Uh, <laughs> we were sad we even got, like, crepes after that as well. And we were just, like, chilling. Then we took my aunt to go see, like, the Louvre at night, and it was, like, super pretty, and it was just you know, amazing. And then, um, the next day after that, that's when we went to the Eiffel Tower, you know, and during the daytime, and we walked around, and, like, 
we went to the Louvre, like, inside of the Louvre that day. That was the same day we got to go. Like, we did a lot that day because that was the same day we went to go see Notre Dame. And, like, Notre Dame was, like, freaking amazing and beautiful. And I was just like, oh, my God, it looks just like in the movie. <laughs> Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> um, and going inside, and, like, when you get up close to it and you see, like, all, like, the detail with the statues on the outside and on the inside, um... You know, like, it was just amazing, and and it was so cool how, like, basically, like, the outer circle of, like, the inside, inside of, like, the sanctuary, right? Like, it, it was, like, a museum, almost, and then, like, the, like, the middle part was, like, the pews for, like, the actual church, and so that was really cool. Um, one thing I learned while I was there, um... was that one the, the Notre Dame gets packed there's like a line but it's not that bad people move through pretty quickly but you you know and then you can like like you know go to actual mass if you want you can buy like different like little things from there so that was pretty cool um oh another cool thing about Notre Dame is that Notre Dame has like this one point like in front of it where it's like a little marker I forgot what it's called but pretty much that is like point zero of Paris. Like any measurements that they had done of Paris to like another city or Paris to wherever has been measured from that point in front of the Notre Dame. So fun fact. Um, but yeah, like so going inside of the Notre Dame was just like awe inspiring. And I remember like the song I thought of when I was inside was um from the from Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um was God Save God Help the Outcast, God Save the Outcast, like which is like a beautiful song where she's like walking through Notre Dame and she's like praying. And then like, you know, like the chorus is like the people in the church and it's like they're lighting candles and like I thought of that and I'm like, Oh my god, my Esmeralda dreams um <laughs> so that was like um pretty cool it like something that i found out after i left and now in light of this fire i feel real crunchy so i didn't know that with the notre dame and with the arc de triomphe you can actually there's like you can actually do an upstairs tour. So you, at before, you could go up to, like, where the gargoyles are and, like, take pictures. And I'm like, what? So I found that out after I went to Paris, right? And I was like, wow, I feel real stupid because we could have gone up to the roof. And I, But you know me with, like, the hopes and dreams that I'll return. I'm like, oh... I'll just do it when I go back one day. I am now eating my words. Who knows when they're going to open up the Notre Dame again. Like, who knows how long it's going to take to renovate and, you know, fix everything they have to fix. So, I feel real crunchy about that. But, um... But, yeah, so going to Notre Dame was, like, amazing. And, you know, like I said, um earlier and doing the river cruise and you pass by like the Notre Dame and you get that 
different perspective it's it's just breathtaking like when we were passing by Notre Dame in the river cruise like we were in the river cruise that had like glass went like glass walls pretty much right it was totally transparent so you could see everything from the inside it was really cold though <laughs> so we all sat inside but then at some point I just like went outside like by myself and I just sat there and like I just took it all in and and I think something that like my family didn't realize or don't yeah didn't realize at the time about me on this trip like I'm the kind of person I'm kind of like you know thankfully I've been able to travel with my family um you know I've traveled with my mom by myself I've traveled with where it's just me and my sister. I've traveled, um, you know, with friends. I've traveled uh, with a lot of different people. And I've also gotten the chance to travel by myself. And so, for me, the appeal of traveling by myself is that I set my own schedule. I know what I like to do. I'm the kind of... I like to do a little bit of everything, but I'm the kind of person I really like museums. I like doing touristy things and I like taking my time so and and I'm used to like okay if I travel by myself I'm doing my own thing doing my own schedule I'm, I I know my interests and I like to just sit and like take things in and like really feel them right and not rush so I think <laughs> when my family they didn't think about that or they didn't realize that like for me, Paris is going and sitting on the corner cafe and drinking coffee and eating, you know, probably either an omelet or some type of something with a baguette or a croissant. A croissant more than anything. A chocolate croissant. An almond chocolate croissant to be specific. That for me, that's Paris. Like, I am, like, I'm you know, <laughs> riding around on a bike filled with flowers in the basket. Like, that's Paris for me. So I just wanted to, like, take it in and, like, chill. And my family wouldn't really let me do that. So I took that riverboat time for that, and I do not regret it. And when I say I sat there and, like, didn't want to talk to anybody, I didn't want to talk to anybody, I didn't put on, I didn't listen to music, I didn't put on, like, my headphones, I just sat out there and I was just looking around and admiring it. No videos, no, like, pictures. I, because I took a lot of pictures, but at that point, no pictures, nothing, just taking it in and chilling. Like, that was Paris for me. And so, like I said, seeing the Notre Dame from the back, which is not something that you see a lot, that was really cool, too. And, you know, like, we did a lot of different things in Paris. Um, I think one of our last days in Paris, like, my mom was like, what is something that you want to... Oh, because I was on this whole thing. I was like, I need to go to the Moulin Rouge. And then no one was listening to me. And I'm like, you don't understand. I need to go to the Moulin Rouge. Because the Moulin Rouge is my absolute favorite. Like, that's my most favorite movie ever. 
So I'm just like, okay, but what you're not understanding about me is that I need to be at the Moulin Rouge. Like, I need to go. And so I, like, made this whole big deal because then also the Sacre Coeur, which is another, like, basilica, like, famous, you know, basilica in Paris is in, you know, the Montmartre area. Which, you know, where the Moulin Rouge is, is essentially the red light district anyways. And, like, it was so legit as far as being a red light district, by the way. So we finally went out there and I was, like, ecstatic to just see the Moulin Rouge. And then, um, you know, like, I have so many things, you know, that I'm just, like, when I go back, I'm going to do them. Um, but, um... Moulin Rouge is that like actually going and like doing the dinner show because I think the dinner show is like a hundred euros per person but it includes like, I, I want to say a bottle or dinner like it's like the dinner the show and like drinks too so I'm like okay that's not terrible it's just like this particular trip it wasn't necessarily like super doable because of our time crunch and then it's funny because like I mentioned it to my mom and my mom was like, oh yeah, we could do a dinner thing at the Moulin Rouge. And I was like very surprised because my mom was very about it. And if, if you guys, <laughs> I don't talk about my mom on here, but yo, if there's one thing you need to know about my mom, my mom is super conservative <laughs> and Christian. So for her to be like, yeah, let's go to the Moulin Rouge like, dinner show, I'm just like, do you know what kind of show it is? Because I know what kind of show it is, and I'm cool. Like, what? (laughs) I'm like, is my mom secretly, like, super cool? I don't know. I have yet to find out. I'll let you guys know when we go back to Paris. But, um, but yeah, so I was just like, but yeah, like, for me, going to the Moulin Rouge, that was like, another dream so Paris was just like a lot of different dreams of mine like happening at the same time so you know it was it was overwhelming it was overwhelming for me like for sure when I go next time I'm gonna definitely take my time more because this was kind of like we're here we need to do everything next time it's like I'm gonna choose you know definitely a few other things to do but um but you know yeah like guys save money and travel as long as you like plan really well like it's possible I never I didn't think I would ever make it to Europe to be honest but I like we made it the opportunity presented itself and we made it happen so like I said I'm gonna post um, the links in the description so you guys can get like all the info you want to get if you have any questions if you have any tips for the next time I go to Paris if you have any suggestions um, you know hit me up on social media like I said um, you know like I said you know like reach out drop me a line as we know um, I'm looking for black own businesses to support so go ahead and drop me a line about that too um i want to thank you guys so much for joining me tonight and listening to me and (laughs) 
Um, as always, you know, like, come back, listen some more, hit me up with your thoughts, and I'd be so happy to, like, you know, talk to you, address it on here, do the thing. Thank you guys so much. Have a good night.